young man and his girlfriend move into an old mansion home, where he becomes possessed by a desire to control ancient demons. Ancient demons? Are you sure you don't mean toilet monsters? Giant New York-sized rats, perhaps? So, what we're really saying is he wants to head the sanitation department for New York City. <laughs> or be the mayor, one of the two. Who even are you guys? We're Children of the Cheesy! Hey there, folks. Welcome to this episode of Children of the Cheesy. I am your cheesy host, Sam. And I am your non-cheesy host, Megan. And Megan, we have got quite the movie in store today, don't we? Yeah, well, it's something. The Notorious Ghoulies. Yeah, apparently it kicked off the whole trend of small, furry-ish monsters attacking people. Yes, furry-ish is a good way to describe these puppets because they fit somewhere on the furry to slimy ratio. <laughs> and we're not really sure where, but it's somewhere on that on that line yeah a lot of them drooling they have some issues genetically truly they do yes a movie that is probably more notorious by its title card and <laughs> promotional materials than the actual content people yeah exactly you hit it nail on the head yeah i think people see the toilet and that's really all they associate with this movie which is actually not that far off this movie is sort of a toilet it's in the toilet for sure so let's just dive right into this we open up to a cult ritual with uh, some puppets involved. And these puppets are ostensibly the ghoulies, right? Or what we're led to believe are the ghoulies. Yeah, I mean, again, the title card, you know, the big one is the one in the toilet. And it's not the first ghoulie you see. So you're kind of like, huh. Yeah, no, the first ones you see look more like rats. Yes. Yeah, like... um Splinter's <laughs> rejected stepchildren, right? Like, he had a big litter, and a few of them probably should have gotten eaten along the way. But they but survived. They survived long enough to participate in this satanic ritual. <laughs> uh, the leader has horns and glowing green eyes. Never really explained why, and we never see the horns again. They are doing some kind of child sacrifice slash fireworks show, <laughs> right? Because every time he snaps his fingers, the uh, the cauldron next to it explodes that's like a right. firecracker. That's right. Yeah. Because that's what happens in the occult. That's pretty much all they worry about is the pyrotechnics, really. Uh, what do you think Disney's all about? Ah, I think we may be hitting onto something here. Probably. There is, this is a child sacrifice ritual, of course, because it's a satanic ritual. And it's not a satanic ritual without a child sacrifice. But the child is protected by some kind of electric field. Harry Potter powers. Yeah, I was thinking like some kind of Super Mario <laughs> shit, right? Like instead of the electric field, it could have just as easily been the star power. Um, exactly. It doesn't matter. In any event, they can't sacrifice it. So they opt to sacrifice the mom instead. Yeah, he gets real upset, though. His little feelers are hurt that he can't touch the child. Yes, his child. <laughs> Which makes it even more bizarre, right? And and that's how that first scene sort of ends, right? Like the kid is taken out. We are led to believe that it was it saved the day, but mom was sacrificed, so the ritual still took place. It's not like it was stopped. No, it just carried on. They went with plan B. Yeah, they just substituted butter for oil and then just kept going, right? Like <laughs> sometimes you gotta think outside the box. Yeah, no kidding. This 
little sacrifice, though, is a bit too much for the ghoulies themselves. Because they cover their eyes. Can't do it. These ancient demons that thrive on blood and power cover their eyes in front of a sacrifice. It's a bit too much for them. too much. A bit too scarring. The narrator, who cuts in periodically... Randomly. Yeah, sort of mumbles some stuff about how the the day had been saved because the child was not sacrificed. It doesn't add to anything. It doesn't. And then we jump to like 20 years later. Yes. Where the child is now... Now grown into a young man in college with his girlfriend. A young man who looks older than he possibly is. Right, yeah. He's led to, we're led to believe he's a college student, but he looks like he's in his late twenties, early thirties. And maybe also, he's a non trad. That's true. He probably is a non trad. And also, whatever you're picturing this giant mansion, you're wrong. So just know that whatever's in your head, you're wrong. It's um, it's Spanish style. It's nice, a little hacienda, you know. Not something that you think the occult would necessarily pick up. Just doesn't seem to really fit their style. But really, hey. more something you would see on House Hunters, right? Which is kind of ironic because these two could definitely not afford it. So maybe this is like House Hunters before House Hunters, exactly. right? Exactly. They inherit this house that they can't even pay the taxes on. Two part-time students. Yeah. John, the boyfriend, who was originally the young child in the previous scene, mm-hmm. spends a lot of time staring at a grave. It's his dad's grave, but he there's no way he could know that. No, but he's drawn to he it. He's drawn to it. And he spends a lot of time staring at that grave. Yeah, he likes it. The grave digging itself is interrupted by a man named Wolfgang, who never talks. <laughs> no. <laughs> He's the strong, silent type. The very silent type. (laughs) Wolfgang is introduced. They go into the house. And then we spend several minutes just kind of farting around the house with the couple, right? Like, they talk about how they're going to fix it up and they're going to clean it up. And There's a little cleaning montage in there. It's a little bit, whatever. Some brooming, some sweeping. Find some old books. Yep. John finds the secret occult room. Yep. Somehow. Like, it just sort of opens for him. It knows. While John is in the secret secret room one of the rats or something right or a raccoon basically attempts to kill him by dropping a tile from the ceiling <laughs> yeah, there's no other there's, there's no other like <laughs> logical reason for it like the tile falls and you hear this rat just sort of like and like scurry away like, like i'll good. get you next time <laughs> good god these things were going after him they were upset that he was taking over the house they, they were they had their chance they really were they felt like he was the invader and they were going to deal <laughs> with it right now they fail on their mission to do so Becky finds John next in the secret room and it's mm-hmm. like, hey, let's throw a party in our nasty ass home that, that we just we, we just, just got into. Got today. into, yeah. Because um, that's what we do. Yeah. The party is bumping, but the guests are a little strange. Toad Boy in particular, yeah. aka Mike. Mm-hmm. He's got like this weird voice thing. He does. That he does. It would be funny if you were five. That's something like a like a like a, like a child might do. A child. A child. <laughs> but an adult, like if you did this around adults at an adult party, they just, would just look at you and be like, oh, so you're a voice actor? <laughs> yeah, they, they, it would be confusing. Yeah, this is not an audition. Like, it's fine. You don't have to do this. You can just do normal stuff. The other character with some dialogue, besides the two stoners who we never get the names of. No. Um, and they don't really do anything except giggle and sort of like touch each other a lot. Right. So you have two gay stoners, Toad Boy, <laughs> and 
Dick, who calls himself Dick. Yes. Like, he says, my name's Dick, but you can call me Dick. Well, thank God that he made that clarification. Most people prefer to be called by their names, but Dick prefers to be called by his name Dick. And Uh, that's what makes him special. I was going to call him Richard. Ah, well, that's where you screwed up. I messed up. You would have pissed Dick off. (laughs) Not a piss Dick. There's a dance scene in there with one of the stoners. It is unsettling. Yeah, you know, this just makes you wonder really he break dances there's a lot of things that fall out of his pockets joints and pills and nobody really seems to notice or care nobody does nobody makes again out of so the parents out of all the things for these parents in the 80s to be mad at it was the ghoulie popping out of the toilet right not the not the rampant drug use that's okay (laughs) i mean it was the 80s right like everybody was on cocaine right so So they're like okay whatever it's fine fine. no big deal i don't care I don't care about the pills, but damn it, my kid needs to pee at night. (laughs) There's an extended scene with the party winding down about them trying to figure out what sort of game they want to play. John brings up the brilliant idea of, hey, <laughs> let's perform an occult ritual. Because <laughs> people just agree to it Right, all the I was going to say, you know you're in California because they're just like, eh, whatever, let's do it. <laughs> We've done everything There's no else. God, it's cool, let's have an occult <laughs> ritual. Not a single one of them is a believer, which is great, it's my scene. Um, they go down into the basement, right? And John starts drawing stuff on the, on the floor. Yeah. And Becky asks John, how does he know how to do this? And John's response is perfect. It's great. He says, I don't know. I read it in the book. What? You do know. You read read it in in the the book. book. (laughs) Today, in fact. You read it that same day. Yeah. That you've been obsessing over. Yes. I don't know. I just, I saw it in a picture. Of a in, in a book that I'm I'm reading right now, but I don't know where it came from. I'm not quite sure. Um, also, Dick prefers to be called by his name, Dick. Yeah, not Richard. Not Richard. Don't do that. John really gets into this ritual. <laughs> yeah, he does. Really gets into it. He tells people to shut up frequently. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if he's somebody that really throws a lot of parties. His instructions are unsettling anyways, you know, regardless. If you were standing there and he's just aggressively telling these things to come to him. Mm-hmm. Or he says something else. He just says to come yeah. a lot. Yeah. yeah. Aggressively. So it's aggressively kind of like, telling these these demons to come. You're like, okay. All right. I'm gotta move on. Yeah, I got a little BDSM thing going here. That's cool. <laughs> Big in a humiliation there, John. The first ghoulie shows up like after they perform the ritual. It's the New York rat ghoulie. Yeah, I was gonna say another rat. Yep, another rat ghoulie. There's like this weird poltergeist callback with a clown doll in a rocking chair with the two gay stoners. And yeah, it comes out of the closet. That was weird. It came out of nowhere. I guess it was just to establish that the crown, the clown thing was also a creepy part of the house. Right. Yeah. It, again, they use it later, which is good, but it's it was kind of lazy, I thought. John is so fixated on this occult stuff <laughs> that he decides he's going to drop out of school. And fix up the house. Which I guess is fine because it's not like they can afford the house either way. So might as well try to fix it up and sell it, right? right. Like in Do some something. ways that makes a lot of sense. Truth. Becky doesn't really care much for it. Becky is another student. We don't know what they're studying either. All we really know is that Becky's physics professor is uh, like some kind of harasser asshole i guess yeah but even then they're just like oh well is he like my physics professor he 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 (laughs) it's like wait a minute we just like glossed over this whole thing you know that sexual harassment in 80s 90s things like that was me (laughs) yeah exactly 
we get another exposition dump from the uh, from the narrator, like, and it just comes out of nowhere. <laughs> like, it's not even like tagged at the end of a scene or anything like that. He just starts talking. He's truly some old man that just seems to butt into a part of a conversation because he heard something that made him think of something. And you're like, okay, thanks. Cool. Appreciate it. Thanks, Grandpa. (laughs) Tell us again about the war. Right. (laughs) John, according to Becky at this point, again, he's back out in the graveyard fixated on on, on his dad's grave. Becky says he looks terrible. He looks fine. Just a little sweaty. Yeah, just a little sweaty. Yeah. But not like Bad gaunt, man. yeah, or discolored in any way. Like his pallor is fine. Now, I I think it was rather funny how much offense she took to his actions, though. And they weren't even that bad. Right. Like he's like, she's like, I made dinner. He's like, I'm not hungry. And then she just loses her shit. Right. She's like, I don't know what you're up to, but I just cooked dinner for us, and you don't want to eat dinner. <laughs> right. You just accuse this man of, of looking sick, right? And then you're like, well, I made dinner. And he said, I'm not hungry. It'd be like, oh, okay. Well, you're not feeling super well, so I understand. Right. And all John really wants at this point is like Satan's ultimate power, <laughs> which apparently is to control these tiny puppets. <laughs> they do everything. Also, he finds a random trident somewhere around this time. He starts waving it around all over the place. He, he does. Like, he found that trident. He is not letting that sucker go. Man, he loves that thing. And they're not even in a coastal town, I don't think. So, like, <laughs> why the like trident? It. With the, yeah, it doesn't make any sense. Doesn't matter. He summons the ghoulies out of a fountain using the trident, and I guess those are the ultimate power. <laughs> I don't know. Look like little tadpoles. They do look like tadpoles and rats, and you've got a cat one that looks fed up with everybody's shit. That's our favorite ghoulie. The, honestly, the cat ghoulie is the best one he's confused most of the time he's just like what the fuck are these people doing rolling his eyes constantly (laughs) it's really so sarcastic yes he's so stupid god how many times have i been through this crap (laughs) jesus let me count john gives these ghoulies a command though what is it he tells them that they can roam around the compound but only be visible to him yes which is (laughs) okay why Like, like they haven't, so they have any power that you choose to bestow on them? And it's the power of invisibility. And they don't even do anything. Like, no. they come out in one scene later on. They do, yes. They, they do get a little hungry, but that's about it. <laughs> and nobody notices. So, in the next scene, John is playing around with the same fireworks technique as the previous guy. Like, he'll snap his fingers and the cauldron will explode. That's how you know you're the real occult leader. Commanding people to come now. (laughs) That's what it was. John does make it rain indoors. And even the ghoulies seem a little bit concerned about this particular power. They're like, Like, oh, God. They're like, why are you doing this? The cat one in particular. (laughs) It's like, you're destroying the property, Looks completely fed up with his shit. He's like, dude, you are screwing up. so bad here so many do you understand where this is located do you understand how much it costs to replace the foundations (laughs) in a home like this and once the basement is flooded truly the renovation costs just become astronomical and we don't have flood insurance and in the very next scene john looks like he's 10 years older yeah that was strange his hair got very gray and then you know just about the time too that you're wondering where the hell is his girlfriend in all of this she actually comes upon that scene she catches him in the act but it's raining in the basement yeah and she has this weird reaction to it right like she's not scared she's just kind of jealous 
Yeah, a little bit angry that he's been spending a lot of time in the basement wet. Well, he follows Becky up there, right? And apologizes to her for... Yeah, he runs up there and gives her some pendant. Right, for being a weird cultist. My bad, honey. Here's a pendant. It's going to protect you from everything. Should be fine. All the things. Yeah, their fight is completely nonsensical. Becky doesn't seem to understand what a ritual is. John feels this weird connection to his parents. There's no connection as to why. Yeah. Other than the narrator telling us that the kid has come back, like... He doesn't know. No. And we don't get the sense that he gets any of the feelings that like this is some sort of like family. Like if if they even if somewhere in the book something had they could have just had something small in there. Yeah. No. Anything. No. No. That's other than him staring at the grave. Like that's it. Later on, John is about to just go to town on Becky and the ghoulies have set up a little ritual underneath the bed for him. <laughs> they they did all the work. And we're not exactly sure what this ritual is or whether he succeeded in it, but he starts like chanting in her ear and, you know, predictably she gets weirded out because, you know, who gets turned on by Latin these days? Mm. And she leaves again. John then goes and summons two little people. Yeah. And all knowing dwarves, like, yeah, really knowledgeable little people. Yeah. I mean, yeah, like, they, cause they seemed like they were some mystical race of, you like, know. yeah, actual, like, fantasy yes, dwarves. Yes, dwarves. Yes. Yeah, yes. Yeah. That's what I meant, people. I'm just saying that's what I meant. <laughs> They claim they can bestow power on him somehow, right? Knowledge. Knowledge. But they don't. Yeah, they don't really give him anything, do they? They say they can do all this stuff and they're supposed to be these mystical beings, but they really just kind of scamper around. Yeah, they hypnotize Becky. That's it. That's all they do. Really? Well, they kill one guy. Catch one guy. Yeah, they catch him and then we'll get to him in a second. John, with with his robe... Has like these really interesting flowing motions that he does with his arms like throughout. If you could imagine somebody trying to fly with a robe on. That's what he's That's doing. what he looks like. Like his arms are like way out at like a 45 degree angle. He can't help it. I honestly, if I was wearing a robe like that, I'd probably do the same thing. Like I'd be carrying that thing around and just like flapping. It's very uncontrollably. natural. Yes. And John does that most of the time while he's wearing this robe. The narrator shows back up again just to let us know that John has been possessed, which we probably could have figured out by ourselves, especially with like the green glowing eyes bit that comes back. Um, Genetic. But the narrator reminds us of that in case, you know, we're stupid and couldn't figure it out. Thanks, Grandpa. Thank you. They have a sunglasses party in the next scene. So John, (laughs) not to freak out his guests, decides to have everybody over for a sunglasses party. And they're all cool with it. Nobody really questions the sunglasses indoors party. Everybody just sort of rolls with it, right? Yeah, so, okay, fun little fact about all this. Apparently, this is like a whole thing. Originally, this was planned to be 3D, so they were going to do 3D and 2D, and every time any character had glasses on, the audience was supposed to put on their glasses, and that part of the movie would be 3D. Okay. And then they decided that would be too complicated because there was quite a few scenes where people had glasses on. (laughs) Well, that's true. (laughs) One of the stoners is always wearing glasses. Right, so people would be like, do we... do?" Do we wear them now or... Take them off, put them on, take them off, put them on, take them off, put them on. As the audience member. So, I mean, good call on that one, but maybe a little bit of a reason why they all just really were into those glasses. One of the other strange things that I noticed was is that whenever John has the green glowing eyes, one of them is lazy. Yeah. <laughs> But it's, it's never it the right. It's the never. Same it's one. never the same one. Yes. It's always a different one, like between scenes. They like, can't figure it out. They don't really know which one is lazy, but he does have a lazy eye. 
<laughs> They're just not sure which one it should be. It's gotta be one of them. They do this really loud scream ritual at the dinner table. Awful. Absolutely terrible. So much so that it literally raises the dead. <laughs> He's screaming too, shut the hell up! Exactly, and of course the cat ghoulie is in the center of all this, just <laughs> fed up with everyone's shit. Like, Eyes literally rolled all the way to the back of his head. Yeah, he's just like, oh my God, get me out of here right now. <laughs> so much screaming. The dead guy, Malcolm Graves, get it, wanders around like a dancer, right? Like out of something out of a Michael Jackson thriller. thriller. Oh, yeah. yeah. Also kind of like do that wavy arm thing with the robe. <laughs> yeah. Lots of robe movements. Wave waviness. They can't help themselves. Yeah. This is their one shot. That's it. I mean, you had it and you, they took advantage of it. There are more ghoulies in the fountain that Malcolm has raised up to do his bidding now. Yeah, they have a special connection with the little tadpole ghoulies. Yes, with the toilet ghoulies. Mm -hmm. Yes. They love them. Love them. We're about, what would you say, an hour into this movie? Yeah. Maybe an hour and 15? Yeah, it's been, again, it's been a snooze fest, honestly, up until about now. Bit of a drag. Finally, we get our first two kills mm -hmm. with Toad Boy. Yes. And Mariska Hargitay. Yes. Yes. Officer Benson from, is down yeah. in this one. <laughs> yeah, exactly. She's attacked off screen. Mark is attacked on screen, sort of. Like one of them jumps in his face. And gets his eyeball, supposedly, and then he's dead. And then he's dead. So. Yeah, that's all. The movie then goes full poltergeist. The clown comes back to life. The windows explode. The lights are all over the place. Zombie yeah. Malcolm is wandering around. Yep. Dick happens upon zombie Malcolm, and zombie Malcolm takes like the form of this cougar woman in a lunch in a negligee seduces him he gets killed the clown kills his girlfriend who he just slept with and what's funny is is the the clown does it in such an anticlimactic fashion right like it really does doesn't really attack her in any like meaningful way just sort of slaps her around a little bit <laughs> yeah. and then turned into like the creature from the black lagoon and just and that's it like <laughs> that's all it does and then she's dead the little people, like, lure one of the stoners out mm -hmm. and knock him out. Yes. Then they knock out a random ghoulie that's just standing around. Because <laughs> he's in their way, damn it. Yeah, and what's interesting is, is, like, they beat that ghoulie savagely. <laughs> he's just kind of on the tree like a little animal doing his own thing. Yeah, and then they, like, wail on him with a stick <laughs> and reason. knee drop him. <laughs> to get him the fuck off of yeah, there. Yeah, it's like some serious WWE moves going on there. They have some pent-up aggression. Yeah, and they do this to do like the, the, the two kids in a trench coat routine. <laughs> yeah. so they grab the other stoner's coat, pretend to be him, so the, his, his gay buddy will follow and happen yeah. upon him in the kitchen and then they use the ghoulie that they beat savagely to attack him so now they're both dead i yeah, guess i guess supposedly there's this weird conflict between the little people we don't totally understand what it is in the moment no. um it is actually this conflict between whether they serve john or malcolm they land on John. We right. find that out a little bit later, but it is not uh, it's not an easy decision for them, right? No. A couple more ghoulies and the clown. We already talked about it. They slapped her around. The dead bodies sort of make their way to the basement. 
<laughs> to like worm their way down. Literally worm their way down. Yeah. Um, while the ghoulies are just kind of goofing around the house, right? Like one of them's playing the piano. That's what puppets do. Yeah. One of them is in the toilet just hanging out. That's where he likes to be. Becky finally comes to. She's been passed out this entire time. Becky finally comes to and finds her friends like squirming down to the basement. That necklace that she was given earlier with the pendant has some kind of power, but again, it's not clear as to what. So she like throws it off and then falls down the stairs. Yeah, all the ghoulies start to kind of like scream at her and freak her out. And then she looks at John and says, what have you done to me? Yeah, and then just falls down the stairs. And falls down the stairs after she was holding on to the railing and then breaks her neck and dies. And then dies. Like, she does this trust fall down the stairs and then dies. Like, what are you you doing? Like, what is wrong with you? At this point, John realizes that all of his friends are dead. (laughs) Malcolm reveals himself to be John's father in kind of like this Darth Vader-esque moment. Yeah, ask him to kiss him a lot, Yeah, there's there's a lot of, like, weird tension between John and Papa Malcolm. (laughs) Strange sexual tension that you don't want there. A lot of of kissing, right? And a lot of highfalutin language from Malcolm, right? (laughs) Truly. Where are your gods? (laughs) (laughs) Not here, I guess. Okay, cool. Malcolm tries to sacrifice John to satan but john is able to resist this power because i don't know he read it in a book (laughs) read kids it's good for you yeah speed reading apparently is the way to go the little people also foil malcolm's next trick right where he puppets john's dead girlfriend becky and Mm -hmm. she's like kiss me and he's like no be gone winch The groundskeeper, uh, Wolfgang, the one that doesn't talk, apparently dresses up as a wizard, grabs the trident, and heads down to the basement at just the right time to (laughs) spear Malcolm in the back. Yeah. And then they do like this weird laser thing with each other, like this wizard fight where they're like choking each other and shooting shooting lasers lasers out of each each other's eyes. Yeah, it was fun. It was. It was probably the most fun scene. It went on just a little bit longer than it should have, but it was fun to watch. It was. Wolfgang wins this fight and they both sort of like disappear in a bolt of lightning. Yep. Just gone. Everyone magically comes back to life after that too. Apparently they weren't actually dead. It was just a trick. It was another prank. Oh, that Malcolm and his goofy pranks. He's just a goofball, y'all. The ghoulies disappear, but the little people are around to just tend to the house, I guess, because they just sort of wave everybody goodbye as they leave. (laughs) They took it over. And then they just took the house over. I don't know how they're going to pay the taxes on it either. Nobody knows how taxes are getting paid in this place. Evidently not. Nobody seems to care either. Like, nobody has seized the house. The movie ends, though, on a cliffhanger, right? So the ghoulies don't actually disappear. They just followed everybody into the truck or the hearse whatever that vehicle was it looked like a hearse it did it did it did did look like a hearse yeah they pop up at the very end and only one person seems to notice them so yeah everybody else is cool with it and then the movie ends and that's it and that is ghoulies yeah so what do we think of the kickstarter to you know semi-furry creatures taking vengeance upon humankind if i had to give it a cheese rating Mm -hmm. i'd say it's a block of cheddar that you find in the toilet (laughs) Uh, what's it doing there what is it doing there you don't want to eat that it's been in the toilet it's been in the toilet and that's where it belongs. It truly, yeah. It's. I don't think that this franchise started off strong. We'll see how it 
continues, but it certainly had a weak start. Yeah, there was definitely some fun parts about this movie, but only like in parts. The puppets weren't terrific. No. Aside from the cat. The cat was my favorite puppet. The others are just kind of like, just sort of slimy and shapeless. Gross and, yeah. Like the the rat one doesn't even really have a face to speak of. No. But other than that, right, there was a couple of stupid lines. Yeah. Like where they weren't even trying to be funny, but just wound up being funny. Just a few funny things here and there. Yeah. You know, some quintessential 80s movie type of moments, I guess. And then other than that... You don't really need to waste your time. Yeah, if you just tropes. watch the trailer, honestly. Yeah, you'd probably get more fun from the trailer than you would watching the whole movie. That's all you need. I don't think there's anything else to say about Ghoulies. No, that's where we should leave it. I think so. Cheese in the toilet. Have a good one, folks. Later, y'all. Thank you for listening to Children of the Cheesy. If you feel like dropping us some cheddar, check out our Patreon. You'll get some warm, melty perks like early access to our episodes, a cheesy drawing from moi, and access to exclusive content. Head to childrenofthecheesy.com for the latest on upcoming episodes, merch, and other exciting things. Like, review, and subscribe to wherever you listen to your podcast. Like at Cheesy Children Pod on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. And also remember to check out our short series, Trailer Trash, on YouTube and TikTok. And remember, folks, even a cheesy movie can be worth savoring. See you next time.